Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really kind of shows you where he is maturity-wise, but it also shows you kind of where the team is in terms of their inability to sort of deal with situations like this, because obviously Mike Tomlin and his coaches don't want to address this directly. They don't want to hold these guys accountable. Uh, Mike Tomlin was asked about it today. Would there be any punishment for what happened? And he said, nothing that I'm willing to share, which means nothing. You know, if if he was going to sit, he already said he's not going to sit him down. Other than sitting George Pickens down, there's really nothing he could do. So when he says there was no punishment that he wishes to share, that means there was no punishment. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into the show. It's the Steelers Wire podcast. It's great to have you with us. And while we do have you, do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite platform. Your support means the world. We do appreciate it. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas this weekend. Let us be the first to say it. Kurt, same to you, man. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Ready for, ready for the holidays. Get started. You ready for more Steelers football on a Saturday, this time on Christmas Eve? I don't know about that. That might be the lump of coal that I don't need in my stocking this year. But seen about yeah. enough. Seen about enough at this point. Uh, tell you what, these next three weeks, hopefully, it'll just be a merciful end to the season in a few weeks, and we can put put this year behind us. Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know, where they've they've fallen. Right? I mean, seven and four a few weeks ago. Now they've lost four or five, seven and seven in the standings. They've fallen way out there, like 10th in the standings now, right? They're behind the Colts, behind the Texans, behind the Bills. Uh, So it feels like now, well, now you got a hot Bengals team at home, which we'll talk about here coming up. And then you got Mm -hmm. tough road games at Seattle and Baltimore to end it. So are they cooked, Kurt, especially with all the other stuff going around? Are they cooked at this point? We're going to find out pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that this, this week is the season. I think that if they, you know, this will be the the week that will tell us whether or not the next two games matter because, you know, they beat the, the last time they won a game was against the Bengals. Um, and I just, I don't know, you know, like we talked last week, I didn't have any confidence in them going against the Colts last week. I didn't think it'd be a blowout, but I didn't have any confidence in them. I really don't have any confidence this week. Um, you know the Bengals are are playing good football. They figured out how to how to run an offense through a backup quarterback. Um, yeah, I I think this is it. I mean, I think that I I don't think it'll necessarily mean that the the team would make any changes after this week if they lose. But I definitely think that their their focus would shift if if they can't win this game. Yeah, uh, and I guess you could only hope that the Bengals are so banged up. I know Jamar Chase yeah. seems questionable as well, so we'll get to that. But yeah, I don't. I don't feel very confident in the Steelers and Mason Rudolph or whatever's going on at quarterback. And we'll we'll get into that as well. But the big story is, of course, George Pickens. Kurt, we're always talking about something like this, you know, after every game. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. But, uh, you know, a business decision he made on the goal line, uh, one of the a carry by Jalen Warren, where he tells reporters uh, that he wanted to avoid a Tank Dell situation that, you know, Tank Dell, the really talented receiver for mm-hmm. Houston, that got caught up in a pile around the goal line. It, it was an odd play that Houston ran there on that injury that Dell sustained because they had 
their wide receivers kind of in the front of the pile uh, blocking. Yeah. Uh, but Tank Dell was actively blocking. He got rolled up on. And uh, Pickens mentioned that play when he said, yeah, I didn't want to get hurt. I didn't want to take Dell situation, so I didn't. I decided not mm-hmm. to block on the play. So, your thoughts on that, yep. Kurt? Well, I think I think it's a horrible look for a guy that's already had some pretty horrible looks this year. I think that it was just, you know, it, it's just sort of proof of. I, I think it's proof of a couple of things. One, it's that he hasn't learned a thing from from what he's done already this year. What he saw Deontay Johnson do this year. Um, and I think ultimately that reflects back on the coaching staff. You know, they are not, they are not holding these players accountable for their actions. You know, Eddie Faulkner came out today and talked and really his, his response to it was pretty poor. Um, he said they addressed it and told him what the expectations were and moved on. Well, that's, that doesn't do anything. You know, the, the expectations, you, you don't need mean to tell me that it's December and they're just now, um, understanding that the expectation is that you block on every play, you know that's that's not uh, that's that's not satisfactory for me, um, you know. And I, I honestly, I think it was one of I, I'm not sure that it was the worst play that he had in the game. Um, the interception. You know, we we talk the, the interception where he just kind of jogged off the field was probably you know more telling to me. Um, you want to tell me that you didn't want to dive into the pile and maybe risk getting hurt. While I don't buy that, there was no excuse for why he didn't turn and chase. I mean, it was a Deontay Johnson situation all over again. It was literally a a copy of what Deontay Johnson did on that fumble earlier in the year when he just let that fumble roll past him, saw the defender pick it up and take off running, and he didn't even bother to give chase. I mean, it, it felt exactly like that play. And... I know it was a bad throw. I'm sure he was frustrated that the th- it wasn't a good throw and it got intercepted. But to just kind of jog off the field when you're probably the one guy on the field who could have caught him sooner than anyone else, um, you know, it's just it's 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 unfortunate. It really kind of shows you where he is maturity wise, but it also shows you kind of where the team is in terms of their inability to sort of deal with situations like this because. Obviously, Mike Tomlin and his coaches don't want to address this directly. They don't want to hold these guys accountable. Uh, Mike Tomlin was asked about it today. Would there be any punishment for what happened? And he said, nothing that I'm willing to share, which means nothing. You know, if if he was going to sit, he already said he's not going to sit him down. Other than sitting George Pickens down, there's really nothing he could do. So when he says there was no punishment that he wishes to share, that means there was no punishment. Uh, again, Anybody who's been a Steelers fan for any amount of time, you've lived through the Antonio Brown stuff when he he sort of coddled Antonio Brown, um, you know, let him get away with a lot of stuff and didn't really punish him for it. Now we're seeing it with George Pickens. We're seeing it with Deontay Johnson. Meanwhile, and I know this is kind of kind of off topic, but not. Meanwhile, poor Chooks Okorafor makes one off-color comment about how the how bad the offense is on the sideline and he gets benched and's never seen the field since. That's a great point. So so let's not let's not act like there's any consistency to how Mike Tomlin doles out accountability to players. If 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 Chukes Okorafor was Trent Williams, he could have said whatever he wanted on the sidelines and he wasn't going to get sat down. You know, Okorafor was essentially expendable because they had a rookie who could go in and replace him. George Pickens doesn't have anyone to replace him. Deontay Johnson doesn't have anyone to replace him. These guys are going to be able to get away with whatever they get away with because 
there is no one to come in and replace them at this point. You brought up Deontay Johnson multiple times, and that's exactly where my head went, right? Like, I could sit here and rip Pickens for this specific play or the other play in this game that you mentioned with the interception or other plays, right? I mean, he's been kind of a knucklehead, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of a, a petulant child at times. He's acted out, yeah. you know, and he's got two palms facing up, talking to Tomlin on the sideline during a game. It's like the head coach didn't have to deal with that. It's just like there's stuff going on with Pickens, and I and I could sit here and rip him for it, but like your longest tenured stealer on offense right now, if you look at the depth chart and your mm-hmm. projected starting lineup for this game against Cincinnati yeah. on Christmas Eve, Kurt, is Deontay Johnson, year five. Yeah. And he had a play that was just as bad, you know, against Cincinnati. Every bit. Yeah. Yeah. So how is how are we supposed to hold Pickens accountable when your longest tenured stealer on offense did the same thing? So yeah, it does come down to the locker room. It comes down to what we talked about last week with Ben Roethlisberger and other past stealers saying that they're not upholding the standard. There's no accountability. There's no discipline. Like you're not sitting these guys down. There's it's it's totally it's that's all totally accurate. They just don't get it, Kurt, right? On offense, they don't get it. No. They're they worried about themselves. They have, they have no, yeah, Deontay's they, pissed about his touchdown that he didn't get. Pickens is worried about his health, overdoing his job on a run play. When honestly, yeah. going 50% out there, Kurt, is probably a more injury risk than going 100% in the NFL. Absolutely. They just don't I get mean, it. You ask anybody who's played, and they will say that. If you go out there and play worried about getting hurt, you're going to get hurt. It, it, that's that's automatic. You always hear that like when a player gets a serious injury and there's a long, you know, long delay. And you always wonder, are guys going to go out there and be tentative? And and you hear these guys and they're like, no, you have to go out and go full out after that. Because if you don't, you're going to be the next guy that gets hurt. And and yeah, they're, they're just asking for more problems. The only way to avoid it is to do what they both did on those turnovers and just run away from the play, basically, yeah, yeah. Is, is their best best bet. They're like they're like a kicker. You know, just jogging off the field after they kick a kickoff or whatever it may be. That's what it that's what it feels like. And you know, to to go back to the point about Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson makes sixteen million dollars this year. You know, they gave him a huge contract. If you don't want to, you know, put George Pickens at a standard at that point, that's fine. But the guy that you're paying sixteen million a year to, you need to set to that standard. Yeah, you just, you know, we don't know what the message is behind closed doors, but it doesn't feel like there is one, and that is frustrating. No. So um, no. so we're talking about guys not going hard enough. Uh, maybe a guy going too hard, Kurt, is DeMonte Kazee, uh, banned yeah. for the season. Scary hit on on Michael Pittman, um, obviously. Was. And Kazee is, I'm sure, uh, a big part of this is that he's previously been fined, uh, I think it's five times for unnecessary roughness violations. Yeah. Uh, so he's had a few of these this year. And, uh, you know, as Tomlin said, he, Tomlin talked about it today. He said that the league puts the onus 100% on the defensive player. It's true. It's really tough, right? Your job is to try to dislodge the ball without using the helmet. It looked like Kazee is trying to go in low shoulder first. The problem is he's going 100 miles per hour. So is Pittman. But Pittman's also diving for the football. It's just a really tough play. What do you think about some of the commentary around this play? It's been hotly debated. Kazee being called a dirty player. Tomlin came out and said, no, he's not. Uh, Tom Brady had some interesting comments that I could share here as well. But uh, what do you think about that whole situation? You know, I think it's unfortunate. I, I think that that as, as I've written about in the past with Kazee, he's kind of a guy that plays in that gray area. You know, he is always right there on that line. And it's 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 kind of crazy because as a Steelers fan, we've had a couple of guys similar to him in the past. We had Mike Mitchell. We had Ryan Clark. They were both kind of those enforcer types before Kazee. And it was, I thought it was really interesting. You know, Mike Mitchell's an assistant coach for the Colts now. He actually came out 
and defended Kazee and said, I don't know what to tell my safeties. You know, I don't know what to tell them how to make a play when this is the kind of stuff that's happening. It was interesting that the uh, a coach for the opposing team who just happened to be a, a player cut from the same cloth when he played for the Steelers. I mean, Mike Mitchell was was gray area all the time. I mean, he made hits that that if he played, you know, he's been out of the league for several years. If he was in the league today, he'd be right where Kazee is. He'd be getting suspended and fined a ton and stuff like that. Ryan Clark definitely would have been. I mean, he just he threw his body around with no regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate it. I mean, I'm not going to complain too loud about it because it, it is what it is at this point. Um, I honestly think that the first hit because he had in the game was probably a little worse than the one that that they're, they threw him out for. You know, yeah, he hit earlier in the game that was just as bad. Um, and I don't know if that played a role in why they went ahead and ejected him. Um, I know that Runyon, when he made the statement, he said this had a lot to do with sort of a historical issue where, you know, going back, he's had a lot of plays like this. And, and yeah, that's the way he plays football. And, you know, these guys have all said it. They, you know, they, as they continue to try to legislate the violence out of a violent sport, um, you're going to see some guys that just aren't going to make the adjustment. You know, the next thing we're going to see is the hip drop tackle. You know, that's the next thing they want to take out of football. And I don't, eventually, I don't know how defensive players are going to be able to do their jobs. And that's, that's kind of where we are. Yeah, it was, it was fascinating. Go back to Brady. Um, he said, it's on the offense, it's on your quarterback, not to put your players in those positions, right? It's, it's the ball placement by Gardner Minshew on the play that sends Pittman diving towards a charging yeah. defender, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, unimpeded as the ref put it in his, uh, in his letter to Kazee that was shared. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, that's a tough one. And Brady even said, you know, when I was playing Ray Lewis in Baltimore, I would lose my guys if I let them get lit up over the middle. <laughs> so I sure. would have to place the football in a, in a spot where they could avoid the brunt of the contact. And that's the, yeah. on the quarterback. So I just thought that was interesting comments. I, I don't, I think Kazee, you know, I mean, if that ball is, is thrown up and Pittman's going up for the ball on that play, Kazee's going low he's probably getting blown up legally on the play, right? It's just, that's yeah, how close right it is. The, yeah. right in the stomach. Probably, that's how close it nothing. is. So, I mean, you hate it as much for anything as the fact that the Steelers are just running out of bodies. Yeah. You know, their safety position. I mean, you're looking at Derek Rowe coming off the practice squad and, and probably starting this week, you know, next to Trenton Thompson, who was hurt last week. And so, you know, for all the, all the issues that this team has with, you know, execution and effort and things like that. You know, Deontay Johnson's not wrong. The defense is leaking. Um, they are running out of, of bodies. The middle of their defense is just just destroyed between inside linebacker and safety. You know, they're playing yeah. they're playing fourth and fifth string guys in starting spots at four positions on the team, and that's that. All it does is put more pressure on your offense at that point, and that's the last thing this offense needs. I was going to say, well, if your defense <laughs> is leaking, it'd be it'd be it would help if you could score twenty points in a game. You know that if that would could, help if you could get a field goal now and then. You know, <laughs> keep teams honest. Keep teams honest. Yeah. Oh man! All right, more to get to. We'll get to this game against the Bengals, and also who who's starting a quarterback. It feels like it's going to be Mason Rudolph. We'll cover that as well. But hey, if you're in your fantasy playoffs still, if you're still alive. That means you're probably in the semifinals. Congratulations. That's always fun. And especially nowadays, Kurt, when the games are on freaking Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, that really draws out a fantasy playoff matchup, I guess. That makes it kind of interesting. See your guys play every every freaking day. It's pretty cool. 
Uh, but we got some advice here from the huddle.com for week 16, and then we will be right back to break down Steelers Bengals. Corey Bonini here of the huddle.com to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week 16. Quarterback Nick Mullins, Minnesota Vikings versus Detroit Lions. In his first full start with the Vikings, Mullins posted 303 passing yards, two touchdowns, and chipped in 10 rushing yards. While he did toss a pair of interceptions, a 24-plus point day on the road was a nice early Christmas present for anyone brazen enough to play him. This one could turn into a shootout of sorts. Mullins is at home versus Detroit, a group that has allowed 22.7 fantasy points on average to the position on the year. In the last six weeks, since Detroit has come back out of its bye, half of the performance have been good for 27 or more fantasy points. Running back Ezekiel Elliott, New England Patriots at Denver Broncos. Elliott will shoulder the burden of this backfield if Ramondre Stevenson isn't able to return. Even if he has to share some touches, Elliott showed a couple of weeks ago he's capable of handling a massive workload. Denver has given up 17 total scores to the position on the year, and no team has permitted more rushing yards. Since week 10, the matchup is rated neutrally, but we're still fairly confident in his opportunity, especially since it's unlikely Denver will hang a big score on the board. Wide receiver Drake London, Atlanta Falcons versus Indianapolis Colts. The Falcons go back to Taylor Heineke as their starting quarterback, who was under center from weeks 8 through 10. In that time, London posted lines of 5 catches for 55 yards and 3 grabs for 36 yards. He missed the week 9 game between those two respective performances. Indianapolis has permitted wide receivers the 5th fewest receptions per game, but the 5th highest scoring rate in the last 5 weeks. While he doesn't have an extremely high ceiling, London is a pretty safe bet for a wide receiver 3 play in week 16. Tight end Tanner Hudson, Cincinnati Bengals at Pittsburgh Steelers. Hudson has been steady Eddie over the last seven weeks, posting between 5.7 and 10.1 PPR points in each game, including four showings of at least 8.5. That said, for as quietly solid as he has been, Hudson lacks the requisite pop to be a lock as a starting lineup option. Fortunately, if you have to play him this postseason, Pittsburgh presents a tremendous statistical matchup and has been exploited across the board by the position in recent weeks. No Jamar Chase likely means Hudson will have a much larger role. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. The other big topic with the Steelers, Kurt, is uh, the quarterback situation. Mike Tomlin uh, mercifully benching Mitch Trubisky. Thank God. I'm so sick of watching him play football. It's so so painful. Uh, So Mason Rudolph now in line to start. If Kenny Pickett's not ready, Kenny Pickett is practicing. He's been limited. It doesn't feel like he's going to be able to go, Kurt. Uh, I don't know if I'd want him to go 50%, you know, <laughs> like 100% Kenny Pickett hasn't really helped the Steelers at times this year. I don't know if I want 50% Pickett, but what about Mason Rudolph? Like, what do you think about, you know, this must win game Steelers at home against a rival that they've beat? You know, they played well in the past, especially even this year. Uh, but what do you think about them yeah. going against this team with Mason Rudolph likely under center? I mean, one thing I like about Mason Rudolph, and I'm not going to sit here and say that the offense is going to be much improved or put up 30 points. He plays with a lot more confidence than Mitch Trubisky does um, confidence in his, in his teammates. So I do expect him to move the football. Um, he's not going to make the mistakes that Trubisky does. You know, one thing about Trubisky was, you know, he's going to force the ball into spots that he shouldn't. And we've seen it throws lots of interceptions, things like that. I don't see Mason Rudolph really doing that. Um I think ultimately the the offense is going to go through the run game. You know that's that's where they're going to do this. They're going to they're going to try to play action off the run game. Um, but Mason Rudolph throws a really nice deep ball. Probably throws the best deep ball on the team. And if George Pickens wants some opportunities, I'm I'm sure he's going to give them to him. I'm sure he's going to give him some shots. And so 
I, I if, if they can run the football, I think they can keep this game close. The problem is, is that when we talk about effort and we talk about, you know, who's who's coming to play and who isn't, the offensive line hasn't played very well last three games either. And the run game has really suffered because of it. And so if that's if that returns this Saturday, um, it's not going to make any difference about the rest. If the, it, It's all going to start up front. That Bengals, you know, the Bengals are pretty beat up, but that Bengals defensive front's pretty strong. And if if Pittsburgh can't run the football and get out there and establish the run, convert some third downs, um, it's going to be a long day because even with the injury Cincinnati has on offense, I think they're going to move the ball. I think they're going to score points. Um, Jake Browning, you know, he's figured it out. And it's the been a story, huh? Cincinnati, they, the uh, Cincinnati coaches have figured out what what works for him even with the injuries and he's, you know, he's making plays. He's and it's, again, it's confidence. He looks like a confident and starting NFL quarterback. I mean, been a lot of backups this year come in and play with confidence and, and, you know, kind of embrace the role of being a starter. Uh, just unfortunate that Pittsburgh hasn't, doesn't have anybody like that on their team, but you know, the plenty of teams have done it this year. I mean, you've seen week after week, the case Keenum's and, you know, Gardner Minshew and all these guys coming in and, and playing big for their teams off the bench. And I think that's a credit to their coaching staffs. And I think it's just another another shot at the Steelers staff who don't feel like they really had any plan um, if, if something were to happen to Kenny Pickett. And I still don't think they do. Yeah, well, I know the Steelers fans were chanting for Mason Rudolph at the last home game. So yeah. hopefully they get fired go. up by seeing Mason come out of that tunnel. You know what I mean? I think they'll be fired up and juiced up for this one, and their Steelers are going to need it. They're two-point dogs at home in this game. Uh, and the Bengals are an interesting story with Jake Browning, right? Injuries are really piling up on that team as well, uh, but they're not they're not quitting. They're battling. They've won three straight. They're 8-6 nope. and six now. Uh, Chase uh, Jamar Chase, sorry, is... Uh, is a question mark, and that's that's a big one, obviously. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the Steelers going up against the Bengals in this game, the matchup, Kurt, I just uh, we we kind of hinted at this earlier. I have no confidence in the te- confidence in the team, right? Right. I mean, yeah. this is this is the time of season when your team should be peaking, not fading. You should be doing what the Bengals right. are doing, not what the Steelers are doing. You know what I mean? This is yeah. it's just a huge yeah, yeah. game, must win. You got Mike Tomlin addressing George Pickens stuff and. Former Steelers blasting the team and not a good yeah. situation. It feels like in the locker room. I'm sure the defense is probably side eyeing the offense and vice versa. And then you've got now you got another change of quarterback. And I, I don't know. Uh, and, and, oh, and we also mentioned it. Your offense can't score 20 points. So yeah. uh, how do you have any confidence in the team? I I don't. I'm glad to go to Mason Rudolph. I think it makes it more interesting. I'm I'm interested in the game, but I I can't. It was kind of like when we picked, we both picked the Colts last week. It's like, yeah. you got to show us, man. You, they got to go out and show us something before we can start having any confidence. I don't have any confidence they're going to go win the game. I don't either. And and this and December used to belong to Pittsburgh. You know, that was always my yeah. Tomlin's thing is if we can be 500 at Dece- in December, when December starts, look out. You know, he used to always say that we're going to bring hell in December. And that has not been the case this year. And with that, I just can't. I just can't assume that in a in four days of work they're going to suddenly suddenly find that heart that they haven't had for most of the season. Mm-hmm. Now I don't. I, I I hate to be that sort of bitter, you know, Steelers fan at this point. You know, you try to stay objective and and you know try to be confident, have some confidence. But I've just 
until they can win a game, you know, I mean, you look at the last three games, even if, if, even if they win Saturday, then they've got Seattle and Baltimore. Maybe they get lucky and Baltimore doesn't have anything to play for and they sit their starters the last game of the season, but I don't, I don't see them getting out of this week with a win. So I think that the rest is going to be kind of academic. And I think that's part of the reason I don't expect us to see Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. It's just, I mean, that's, that surgery he had, that tightrope surgery to repair the the sprained ankle. Um, that's just, I know the whole design of that is to get him back sooner, Kurt. But that's that's a tough ask. <laughs> that's a tough ask. But well, we'll see. And the original timeline was was next week. Was the Seattle game okay. was when they had originally said. So you'd be bringing him back a full week early. Um, I think Tomlin wants to go out there see if they can steal one in Cincinnati, and if they do, they'll they'll bring him out for the last two. But if they can't. I'd probably just sit him for the rest of the year, you know, whether no, no sense in it if they, if they lose this week. And I remember we got off, uh, we both picked the Colts last week. We got off. Mm-hmm. And then after, you know, I always, things always come to me after we do the show, like the next morning. And I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? This is like such a Mike Tomlin Steelers spot, right? Like the sky is falling. They lost to the Cardinals and the Patriots. The sky is falling. Everyone's doubting them. They go to Indianapolis. They win the game, you know? So I was like, mm-hmm. that's such a Steelers Mike Tomlin thing. You know, as soon as everything, everyone's writing you off, they go and win the game. So I was actually going into that one with a little more confidence in the Steelers, but they lose the game 30 to 13. So now even in these mm-hmm. Tomlin spots, uh, these typical, like you said, December Steelers spots, underdogs at home in a division against a Bengals team, they always play tough. It's like, yeah, 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 right. The Steelers are going to pull it out. But like, I just look at that score. 30 to 13 against the Colts. It's like so painful, man. And the Bengals just beat yeah. that team by 20 a couple weeks ago. So exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. I just, I can't, I can't get there, man. I mean, you basically got four guys on the team that are coming to play every week. And, and one of them is out with a knee injury this week. So you got three guys probably out there that are playing hard and, and two of them are on defense. So what are you going to do? I mean, you, you know, Jalen Warren is going to bring his best every week. You got Cam Hayward, you got TJ Watt. The rest is is just a crapshoot. You don't know. Yep. So I guess you got to root for a score. If you're a Steelers fan going to the game, 16-10 like the first one, 17-13, something like that, right? You you need your defense to dominate. The problem is the defense gave up 24 to the Cardinals, 21 to the Pats, 30 to the Colts, right? So it feels like this week is the final nail in the coffin. I'm sure the home fans will let the team hear about it on Saturday, Kurt. And, oh, well. Merry Christmas. You know what I mean? It's like I mean, that, they, that's are it. Are they going to be chanting for Trace McSorley? <laughs> Seriously. If, they, if you know. Uh, oh, yeah. It's yeah. it's going to be painful. But, uh, yeah, not 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 the most pleasant way to spend your Christmas Eve, I guess. That stadium no. could be, uh, no. if they're losing this game, fourth quarter, it you could be ugly in that stadium. It could be real ugly. Bite that eggnog because you're going you're gonna to need something to get through the night. So. <laughs> just make sure you get the one, the hood eggnog. That's the best stuff. That's the best stuff right there. Okay. The one that says hood on it. Uh, right. Yeah, but Kurt, uh, I appreciate you, man. I hope you have a great uh, holiday weekend. Steelers be damned. And I hope they don't ruin it for yep, you, my yep. man. But I hope you have a great holiday weekend, man. You too. You too. And same to all the listeners. We appreciate you. Thanks for jumping on board. As always, we'll be back to talk about Steelers, Bengals, see what happens. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to you then. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.